Good morning. Our scripture for today is uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 17 and following. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. You've probably heard the name Babe Ruth before. He, of course, was the great home run hitter for the New York Yankees. During a particular at-bat in his career, the umpire called him out on strikes. The whole stadium began to boo, thinking that it was a bad call. Babe turned to the ump and he says, There are 40,000 people here who know that that was a ball. (laughs) And the ump says to him, Yes, you might be right. But mine is the only opinion that counts. (laughs) We live in a world of a thousand opinions, don't we? There's no shortage of opinions. The question is, whose opinion counts? Who has the authority? And I'll say this, no matter what you do, no matter what choice you make, no matter what the call, there will be naysayers. There will be those who oppose, who disagree, who don't understand, who don't support. And thank the Lord, we don't make decisions based on what other people think would be best. (laughs) Thank the Lord that we listen to him and we walk in full obedience to him. So if we were to ask the question this morning, who has authority in our lives? What is the source of authority? Wikipedia? (laughs) Oprah Winfrey, that political leader, or maybe it's that influencer. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a parent. Who has the authority? Of course, you know what I'm going to suggest this morning, but I'll say it anyway. That there is one ultimate and lasting and eternal source of authority. That he has the authority, and that this morning I'm encouraging us to submit to his authority, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Nate, you very well uh, put it this morning, that idea of, is Jesus Lord of your life? Does he have the authority? And so I'm encouraging us this morning, as we're going to get into the scriptures, we're going to unpack this story of the four friends who lowered their pal through the roof, Who has the authority in your life? Recognize this morning that it's Christ who has authority over all things. And then walk in submission to him. And not only that, but intentionally, deliberately, prayerfully consider how you can bring others to Jesus as these friends did as well. That's what we're going to talk about together this morning. So let me introduce myself. My name is John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Just thrilled to be together this morning. And as always, I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. 
Well, our summer sermon series is in the Gospel of Luke, and so we are pressing on with that this morning. Luke, of course, the author of this particular gospel, he was a physician, and he accompanied Paul on many of his missionary journeys. We learned last week his reason for writing this gospel. We looked at really just Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and we saw there in verse 4 his reason for writing the gospel is so that we may know the certainty of the things we have been taught. Uh, And as I shared, uh, we're not going to be able to go through each and every verse uh, in this particular series, so we are going to zoom ahead to chapters 4 and 5 this morning. Hope you brought your Bible with you. You're welcome to open it. Uh, We'll go ahead and start in Luke chapter 5. Again, a, a familiar story about this man who was lowered through the roof in this radical display of coming to Jesus. But if we consider this story, and really I should say the the stories and the the narrative surrounding this story, those that come before it and those that come after it, there's one thing that just jumps out, and that is the authority of Jesus. That's the title of this morning's sermon, the authority of Jesus. These passages are just filled with, and especially as you read these passages, and if we have time this morning, I'd like to read through big chunks of them together. You just see consistently over and over and over the authority of Jesus. Jesus has the authority to heal. This man is carried in on a mat. He's lowered down through the roof. He's paralyzed. He cannot walk. Jesus heals him, and he walks out of the house on his own two feet. Jesus has the authority and the power to heal. He has the authority to forgive sins. He actually begins there, you notice, when the man comes before him. Jesus doesn't say, you are healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. He deals with the man's spiritual problems first. Jesus has the authority over all of creation, we're going to see as we get into some of the other verses. And I want you to know that's good news. (laughs) It's good news because we need someone in authority over us like Jesus, who is ultimately powerful and who's whose heart toward us is good and pure and right, that he cares for us. That as we entrust ourselves to him, we do so knowing that we are thankful for his authority in our lives because of God's great love for us. Now, I've used the word authority uh, 10 times already. We're probably going to use it another 10 or 100 times during this sermon. (laughs) Uh, And I don't want to belabor it, but it comes from the word authority. We all have an idea or, or a connotation to what that means. Some of us, I should say, have a negative reaction to that, by the way. Uh, I hope you stay for our Sunday school hour and you can kind of talk through some, some of that, a little, a little bit of therapy uh, counseling session as you talk about who were the authority figures in your life, what were they like. So some of us have a negative reaction to that, but I want us to break it down just a little bit to understand that the word authority has as its root the same as the word author. You see, that's the beginning of the word authority, it's author. So as in the one who authored it, who wrote it, who developed it, who came up with it. And the one who came up with it, the one who authored it, the one who, who, who it was their brainchild and their idea, well, they have a say, don't they? They're the one who wrote it. They're the one who thought it up. They have control of it. And we see this in Hebrews 12 too, a familiar verse, but I wanted to look there this morning. Hebrews 12 too, that says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the author of our faith. He's the author of your story. He's the one who wrote it. He's the one in control of it. He's the one who can speak into it. And since Jesus is fully God, 
we understand that. He, he has existed since the beginning of time. Jesus, fully God, fully man. The scriptures say in Colossians 1.16, in him all things were created. We understand that he has authority. So let's, let's zoom in a little bit on this story in Luke chapter 5, starting verse 17, where set the scene. Jesus is in a house. Jesus is teaching. There, there is a crowd of people that has gathered there. I envision this as all the seats got taken, all the standing room got taken, and then you've got people crowded around outside the house as well. Like, you can't make your way in the, in the door. There are probably people by the windows. There are probably people standing nearby. They're just trying to listen. So Jesus is teaching in the, in the center of the house. You've just got these, these uh, throngs of people who have gathered there to listen to him. And, and there are uh, some of the religious leaders that are there, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they're there as well. And what happens is these four guys show up. They've got a friend who can't walk. He's paralyzed. And they want to bring him to Jesus, but there's a huge problem. They can't get to Jesus. There are too many crowds. Like, like they look at each other and go, oh, we need to show up a little earlier. <laughs> this is one of those, we should have gotten here earlier and gotten in line. You know what I'm talking about. The uh, sign up your kids for swim lessons at the Millersburg pool. <laughs> right. Some of you might know what I'm talking about there. It's the like, you had to get there early because otherwise you're looking at like a two to three hour line that forms uh, throughout the streets of Millersburg, Ohio. They look at each other and they go, ah, we wanted to bring our friend to Jesus, but now we can't get there. And they don't give up. And as you know the story, they, they just say, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. We've, we've got to do whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. They go up onto the roof. They, the Greek word used there is dig. <laughs> Uh, and, and we do understand something about the construction of, of roofs would have been a flat rooftop most likely and did consist of earth that had been packed there among some other uh, materials to keep, give them shelter. So they're digging until there's a hole and they lower their friend down right in front of Jesus. And the man encounters Christ. He has a life-changing encounter. How thankful he is that his friends went to such great lengths to put him at the feet of the Messiah who forgives his sins, who heals him of his paralysis. Again, he comes in on a stretcher, walks out on his own two feet. And what it says there then is that all of the people, the crowds that were there were amazed and they gave glory to God like Whoa, praise God, this is an amazing thing that has just happened. This guy who couldn't walk, and we don't really know his backstory. They probably did. The history books tell us some of what we believe. It's not in the scriptures, but the history books tell us some, some of what we believe about this guy. I'll spare you the details other than ju to just say, um, most likely, if the historians are accurate in what they're saying, he was a person who other people really would have looked down on. They would not have wanted to associate with. They... they would have thought, you know, this is not someone who I want to be near, who I want to touch, who I want to have any, any relationship with. But they're praising God because they see this person who was so wayward, who was so, so bent spiritually, has now been forgiven. And physically, the one who was twisted and crooked and couldn't walk, he's now walking. So it says, the people gave glory to God for the man's transformation. Now, what about the religious people that were there? <laughs> they got upset. Mm, okay. They're mad, they're angry, they're upset, they're accusing Jesus of blasphemy. And it just strikes me, as like, sometimes it is the most devout, it is the most pious, it is the most zealous people that are the most unaware of what God is doing. 
It's like they get so focused on churchy stuff that they miss out on the work of Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why were they accusing him of blasphemy? Why were they so upset? Well, only God can forgive sins. And here Jesus has just forgiven sins. Like, who does this guy think he is? He's claiming to be God? They didn't realize that Jesus was God. And, and here's really what I want to suggest this morning. Is we, we're, we're familiar with that story, but really the authority of Jesus here in forgiving sins is an escalation of the authority of Jesus on display in some earlier stories of what he's been doing. So here's what I want to do. Let's back up. Let's go into Luke chapter 4. We're going to see Jesus exercising authority in other ways, in really what I would call sort of escalating ways. Uh, So let's go to Luke chapter 4. Let's go to verse 31. It says, then he went down to Capernaum, talking about Jesus. He went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught people. They were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all. He came out without injuring him. It says, all the people were amazed and they said to each other, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out and it says, and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. He was speaking and teaching with authority. Now, The reason Jesus was able to teach the scriptures is not because he went to the best rabbi in the land. It's not because he went to the best seminary in the land. It's because he himself is the living word. Jesus is the living word. The scriptures are the written word. And I want you to know something this morning, that if there's one thing that's going to transform your life, it is the word of God. The written word of God, as well as the living word, Jesus. If there's one thing that's going to transform your life, it is the word of God. The authority over all of creation and the authority over your life as well. And so recognize that this morning. That there is power in the word of God. Stand on it. Trust it. Proclaim it. Recite it. Teach it to your children. The word of God will guide you. It will help you. It will encourage you. The word of God will ignite your faith. You notice in those verses there, when Jesus gives a command, even to a spiritual power, a demon, an impure spirit, when Jesus gives the command, it obeys. He commands even those dark powers. They obey. Jump down to verse 41. We're still in Luke chapter 4. We see it again. It says, demons came out of many people, shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, 
because they knew he was the Messiah. So he can silence them. He can order them to come out of a person. And I think this is why it saddens me so much when I see Christian believers, brothers and sisters, ones who trust the Lord, who are just getting beat up by our spiritual enemy. Constantly antagonized, constantly in darkness, constantly hurting and struggling and getting beat up. I want us to hear this this morning and and be encouraged as we look at the life and ministry and teaching and the authority of Jesus. That he is in control. That he says to them, you be quiet. That he says to them, come out of him, come out of her, and they obey. We have victory in Christ. Jesus is stronger. I want you to hear that this morning. Jesus is stronger than our spiritual enemy and his minions and those demons that antagonize us in the spiritual war that we're fighting. Jesus has authority. We are more than conquerors. Romans 8, 37 tells us we are more than conquerors through Christ. So we're in Luke chapter 4. If you look at the heading for the next section, uh, starting in Luke 4, 38, it probably, in the NIV, it says Jesus heals many. If you have a heading in your Bible, that's not the actual text. That's just the translators who are trying to help us there. But it probably says Jesus heals many. So if we look there, verse 38 says, Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. And so he bent over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. (laughs) Listen, when I say Jesus has authority, this is what I mean. He rebukes the fever. He says, no, 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 no. She has other things she needs to do. It's not time for her to lie down to be sick. Rebuking the fever. Wow. <laughs> now, I know for some of you, if, if you could choose a superpower, this would probably be it. Especially for those of us who have small children. Like, how awesome would that be? Papa, I have a tummy ache. Nope. Tummy ache be gone. Headache be gone. Like, I mean, how many of us would choose this if we could have a superpower? Like, we can just speak into the aches, the pains, the fevers, the illness, the sickness, the disease, and it's gone. And that's fun for, for us to read imaginatively, but please don't, don't think that I'm taking lightly those diagnoses that are devastating. Don't, don't think that in any way I'm saying, so, you know, you have the diagnosis that's life-altering, let's just be coy with it. No, I'm not, I, I, I recognize that, that, that when you're facing a medical situation like that, it is, it's a tragedy, and I, I'm not making light of that. But how amazing to know that Jesus has authority over it. That in this instance, he says to the fever, nope, you're done. And it leaves. And I know that leaves us at times just wanting to have immediate healing for all of our sicknesses and diseases. And we don't have that. In fact, that has kept so many people from God when they say, if there's a good and loving God who's all powerful, how can there be so much sickness and disease and hurt in the world? To which we say, we live in a broken world. Sin has entered into the equation. And God is all-powerful. But God's answer to our prayer is not always just, yes, 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 yes. 
And that's when I say, when we submit ourselves to him in his authority, it's not to say, so God, you do exactly what I want you to do. It's to say, Lord, here's what we're pleading with you to do, but you decide. Your will be done. So again, what we see here is basically this, this escalation of like, Jesus is just demonstrating his authority. He's teaching with authority. He is casting out demons by his authority. He now shows he is in authority over sickness. He says the word and the fever leaves. Christ can do the miraculous. Whatever he says happens. And again, he, he doesn't just operate according to our whims or our selfish pursuits. He's not a cosmic genie who's, who's there and available for uh, healing at every, every time we press the button. But it is interesting to note that it was a significant part of Jesus' earthly ministry was healing and doing miracles. But he wasn't just about the sickness and the fever. He was about the heart. And again, the man who came lowered through the roof had a change of heart, his sins forgiven because of Jesus. If we go to the next verse, then uh, we're in Luke chapter 4, verse 40. It says, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus has the power of life and death. That, in fact, I should say, that's why he's the only one who can pay the penalty for our sins. He's the only one who could be the savior and the redeemer is that he is the one who, on the, who died and on the third day by the power of God was raised to life. Like he has, even it, so in his resurrection, I should say, we see the authority of Jesus over sin and death and hell and Satan. Jesus has the authority. That's why only he could be the one who paid the penalty for our sins, because he is the one who has the power. Uh, it's interesting, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 15, Peter says to the people, you killed the author of life. Referring to Jesus, you killed the author of life, but he says God has raised him from the dead. So if we jump then into Luke chapter 5, uh, at the beginning, what we see is the calling of the first disciples. And again, the authority of Jesus to to call these men, and he doesn't do so in a controlling way. I think he does so in a pers persuasive way, but he calls these men, and what we see them doing is they're leaving behind everything in order to follow Jesus. So look at verse 4. We're now in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. This is the very first encounter they have with Christ. He gives the order and they say, okay, we'll do it. It doesn't, no, I want, I want us to take note of this. this. This is so powerful for my life as a follower of Jesus to say, they had already fished the waters. They could have said to him, Great idea. We hear what you're saying. We've already tried that. What else you got? And how many times do I do that with Jesus? When he's calling me, when he's urging me through his word, through his spirit. And I say, okay, yeah, all right, but I've already done this. What other ideas do you have, God? 
rather than saying, God's ways don't always make sense to me. We've been fishing all night. We've been working so hard. We're exhausted. We've caught nothing. And he says, cast your nets. It's a moment of decision. They choose obedience. The nets are filled and overflowing. It's inexplicable. But this is their first experience with Jesus, and he proves that he is trustworthy. He proves it because now they are walking in obedience to the authority of Jesus, and shall we just say it, the fish are too. <laughs> like, like, I think Jesus told the fish to get into the net here. I think this demonstrates his authority over all of creation. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats on shore, they left everything, and they followed him. It wasn't about the fish. It was, will you recognize my authority, and will you walk in obedience to it? Not doing it your way, doing it my way. Jesus has authority over all of creation. This story is amazing. He tells the fish who have not been caught, it's time for you to get caught. <laughs> but we know this because in, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, all authority, you remember this from the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority belongs to Jesus. But the world, the unbelieving world, the culture in which we find ourselves, they refuse to recognize that. They refuse to believe that. In fact, when we say that, we are small-minded, we are wrong. <laughs> like, the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't see that Jesus is the, the authority. There's this famed poem, Invictus, by uh, William Ernest Henley, the final words of that famed poem are this. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I remember a time a, a gal came into a church that I was pastoring. Giant tattoo right here above her knee. Colorful, kind of a nautical theme. Like, Whoa, what, what is this as I got to know her? It was the words of this poem. It was the, these exact words. It, was, it said, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Okay. That's the world. You're in charge. You're in control. You've already tried putting out your nets, so don't do it again when God tells you to. Whose opinion counts? Because when we recognize the authority of Christ, when we say it's your opinion that counts, and he says, throw out your nets, yes, Lord, because I trust you, because I want to do this your way, because my way leads to exhaustion and empty nets. Think about this. These guys are going home. What did you catch today, dear? Nothing. Where's the money from the market, dear? Nothing, because I didn't have any fish to sell. When they do it God's way, oh my goodness, where did all of this come from? Well, you'll never believe it. This man, Jesus, said to cast the nets once more. 
So what can we learn from all of this? We've talked about the four friends who lowered their uh, pal through the roof, who Jesus forgave his sins and healed. We've now looked at these other passages kind of leading up to it. There are three things that I want to point out that we can learn from these stories this morning. First is that one that I've said over and over and over, and that is Jesus has authority. It's almost like I want to download that into my head and into my heart. Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority. And again, thinking about the, the man who was paralyzed, he, Jesus forgives his sins. He's, he's as, I, as I shared, he's kind of been escalating his authority, command, uh, his authority to teach, command demons, sickness, people, fish. And now this is the ultimate spiritual authority. He has the authority to forgive sins, to bring healing spiritually. And I am so glad that Jesus forgives sins. I'm so thankful that for all the wrong that I've done and the mistakes that I have made, I am not eternally separated from God, as I should be. I'm not getting what I truly deserve for, for the, the consequences of my behavior and actions and attitudes and words. But eternity in the presence of Christ awaits me. Why? Because he has forgiven my sins. Praise God. And for all who believe, that is our testimony and that is our story. How thankful we are that we are forgiven. That though we've done wrong, Jesus has seen fit in his goodness and mercy to forgive us. And he's the one who can forgive sins. Only, only Jesus can forgive sins. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that my life is in the hands of the one responsible for the heavens and the earth. That the God who knows all things, who has power over all things, the God who can speak life into any situation is in control of my life. That he is the authority. That I can go to him. That he cares for me. He hears me. He knows me. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us this morning. The first thing we learn is that Jesus has authority. The second is to submit to his authority. That you can entrust your life to Jesus, and to his lordship. And I do just want to key in on this story that, that when the, cr the crumbles begin to fall down and rain from the roof being removed, and the man comes down in the middle of Jesus' lesson, his message, his, his sermon, that Jesus doesn't say, whoa, 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 I'm kind of in the middle of something here. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, security! It seems that what happens is Jesus takes a pause from what he was doing. And he looks to see the man who's there in front of him. He, he looks to see the needs that are there. This is a man who is, who is deeply flawed spiritually. And he is in need of forgiveness. And it's amazing to think about the friends who, here is this man, and we saw in chapter 4 that his fame, the fame of Jesus began to grow. That all throughout the region, people are talking about this man from Nazareth who can do miracles. And so he was becoming a celebrity. He was becoming uh, notorious. Lots of people knew about it. What was it that these four people, these four men thought, well, we could just approach that guy. We could just take our friend to him. That's amazing. What made them think that they could do this? 
When they got there and the house was crowded and overfilled, what made them press on? Why did they not just walk away? Why, why did the obstacles not keep them from Jesus? I think it's because they knew he was approachable, but they also knew he's the one who has the power. There are a lot of rabbis we could choose. There are a lot of teachers we could choose, but we are going to choose Jesus. He is the one with authority. And I want you to know, Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like the same Jesus who healed this man, forgave him of his sins, paused what he was doing, gave his time and attention and compassion to the need in front of him. He's the same Jesus who, when you and I humbly come before him, cares for us as well to give us forgiveness to offer healing to help us he will not turn you away he will not turn his nose up at you he will not say yes i'm the lord of the universe and i have more important things to be doing he will care for you he will listen to you he will help you so when i say submit to his authority i want to plead with you earnestly, sincerely, fervently to plead with you, come to Jesus. Come to his feet to worship and adore and lay before him. These are my needs, Lord. I'm helpless. This image of of the man is just perfect. It's like he is so riddled with sin. No one wants anything to do with him. He is so uh, sick and paralyzed that he cannot even move. It's a picture of us crippled by what the world has done to us and by what our own sin has done to us. Come to Jesus, whatever your past, whatever your issues. And how many of us have obstacles like these friends faced? And instead of pressing on, we just say, okay, well, I'm too busy. Well, I have other things I need to do. I'm not going to go to Jesus. Submit to Jesus. Find forgiveness in him. So Jesus has authority. I want to encourage us to submit to his authority. And then one final lesson for us to learn from this is to simply bring others to Jesus. This story is a beautiful picture of friendship. It is a man who couldn't walk and his friends carry him, physically carry him to the Savior. When things get difficult, they persevere. Do you have that same kind of passion for those in your life? Do you have people in your life with that same kind of passion for you? That when you are broken, they will carry you and they will go directly to Jesus. They will go the extra mile. They will ensure that you encounter Christ. And I just, I want us to know this morning, when I'm saying bring people to Jesus, I'm not just saying invite your friends to church. That's a great thing to do. I'm encouraging us to do that. Yes, invite your friends to church. But also... Go with them before Christ in other places. Maybe they won't come into a church. That's okay. (laughs) That's not the end-all, be-all of bringing people to Jesus. I just want to be clear on that. That's not the end-all, be-all is just bring them to a church service. You can do that. Yes, that's great. I encourage that. But also, bring them to Jesus by praying for them. Bring them to Jesus by talking to them about their spiritual needs. And I should say, I mean, church isn't for just those of us who have it all together. I don't think any of us have it all together. (laughs) If the church were for perfect people, this building would be empty right now, wouldn't it? Am I the only one thinking that? Like church isn't just for perfect people. It isn't just for people who've got it all figured out 
It's for the broken. It's for the battered. It's for, as Jesus says, the poor in spirit. That's who church is for. That's who church is. And again, going back to the Pharisees, part of the problem with the Pharisees is they didn't see their need for a savior. They thought they were good enough. It says at the end of this passage, so Luke chapter 5, if we go to verse 31, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, Jesus says. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus, he is the author of life. He is the one who can heal our sickness. He alone is the one who can forgive our sins. That same Jesus. Because the scriptures tell us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. forever. And I want you to hear this this morning, that he beckons you to come to him. To recognize his authority over Satan and sin and death and hell. His authority over sickness and disease. His authority over all of creation. And his authority over you. Recognize that this morning. And submit to him. Come even if you've got a broken heart. He can do the impossible. Or a broken relationship. Or if you're weary. Or if you struggle with worry. He has the ability to heal our bodies. There's no question about that. He has the ability to do so. More importantly, he has the ability to heal us spiritually, to forgive us, to restore us, to help us. I want you to know our prayer team is going to be available this morning as as we dismiss. The prayer team is going to be here in the front. You're welcome to come. They would be honored to pray with you. Or I'll be in the back after the service. It'd be my honor to pray with you, to lead you to Christ. Don't leave here today with a burden. Share it with a friend. Come to the prayer team. Do you need forgiveness like this man? Ask Jesus. Have you wandered from Christ and from his kingdom and from his lordship? Hear him beckoning you this morning. Come to me. Submit to me. I am the authority. When I say cast the net, it is filled and overflowing with fish. And not only the fish then, I'm going to send you out because you're not fishing for fish anymore. You're fishing for power in the name of Jesus. And sometimes that's the only prayer we pray is the name of Jesus. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. We pray the name of Jesus, knowing that he has authority in heaven and on earth. The Lord takes frail and feeble humans. And did you know he then uses us? He then uses us, as we just talked about, to not fish for fish, but to fish for people. To to be a part of his kingdom and to then live on mission for him in his kingdom. It's amazing what Jesus says to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. He says, you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then he says this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Keys represent authority. Like, like the keys on your key ring. Whatever those are for, those are places where you have authority. Those are places where you have access. Those are places where you are welcomed and wanted. 
You're no longer locked out in the kingdom of God when you turn to Jesus. You no longer have restricted access. You belong to him. You belong to Jesus when you put your faith in him. You belong in his kingdom. You are his child. You have an inheritance. You have a portion. And so stop worrying about what everyone else thinks. There's only one opinion that matters. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for this good news of Jesus, our Savior, who has authority over the cosmos, who knows intricately the details of our lives and who cares. We thank you that in your great mercy, you have forgiven us. Lord, help us in the places where we are battered and broken. Help us in the places where we are weary and tired. And in the places we have strayed and wandered and gone from you, Lord, we return. We come to you. We submit to your authority. And Lord, would you give us opportunities to bring others as well, that all might know that you are good and that you have a purpose and a plan for each one that you confer upon us the keys of your kingdom, that we're no longer shut out, but we have full access. How thankful we are to be known by you and loved by you. Lord, you are the one with the authority. It's your opinion that counts. Lord, seal all of these things in our hearts that we might live them out for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.